Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Discipleship Podcast, where we record conversations around Christian discipleship issues meant to inspire your own faith conversation and help you on your walk as we all journey towards Jesus together. My name is Rob Schaff, and I'm the pastor of discipling at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church in Chilliwack, BC, Canada. On today's episode, I'm talking with John Weber, who is passionate about seeing men in the church grow closer towards Jesus. He's also passionate about social justice issues, and he's led Bible studies and small groups in our church. And I've really enjoyed my conversations with him over the years and over these last few podcasts. This conversation was recorded on Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. In today's conversation, we discuss the question, if people aren't Christian, what is our role as Christians in their lives when it comes to morality? When we talk about morality, we're talking about the difference between right and wrong, and ethics are all about how those morals come out in our behavior. In the New Testament, Jesus has plenty to say about right and wrong. There is a lot of moral and ethical teaching in the Gospels and the Epistles, and at the center of it all is the Gospel of God's grace and love. So when it comes to the morality of an unbeliever, what is our role as Christians? If we are supposed to be an example of Christ in society today, then we have to live moral lives, whatever that means. Uh, And if we're going to impact uh, non-Christians, as per the discussion item, it's uh, they've got to see examples in their Christian friends. And maybe that's really the only, maybe not the only way, but it certainly is the most significant way in our relationships with unbelievers is to show the love of God or moral character in ourselves. I think that it's such a interesting question because at the heart of it is, if, if Christianity is real, um, and if my beliefs are real, then surely they need to have impact beyond my own life, outside of just myself. Surely good news of the gospel is not just good news for me. Surely it's good news for other people too. And so, um, and what is my responsibility there? And I love this question because I don't think it's as quite so simple to answer. Do you know what I mean? So in, in some ways it is very simple to answer. Yes, good news for everybody. And uh, and yes, uh, b- but but it gets a little more complicated when you try to figure out how to have these conversations and what, the, what it actually looks like. All of humanity is created in the image of God. And with that came some characteristics uh, that God embodies. Sure. So... And we see that. I mean, if you go through history, even the ancients, there were certain elements in place that are deemed to be wrong. Mm. Stealing from somebody, killing somebody. Uh, There was a embedded within us a justice system of some type. And and it's been evidenced throughout history, even in the, the most awful situations you could you know where you get back to ancient societies that sacrifice children or something like that there was still was a code of conduct within those sure. uh, maybe it was sick and unfortunate but they still had like an internal sense of what's right, right and what's wrong yeah and the bible talks about that romans 2 14 and 15 indeed when gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they're a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Essentially, it's saying, even though they're not, didn't have the Ten Commandments handed down to them, the truths of those natural laws were still embedded within them. And it says, 
these Gentiles, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciousness, consciousness also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. The very sense that we all have that there is a, there's, there's right in this world and there's wrong in this world that is hard-coded into us. So what do you do as a Christian? So how do you look at that as an opportunity in some way to speak into that person's life? Uh, I think it depends on the relationship. I think that relationship is key. If there isn't a relationship there, it's interesting what the role is for a Christian. Even if you have no pre-existing relationship with that person, they should be able to look at you and your life and see a different way. Um, and then, of course, there are verses like uh, 1 Peter 3.15, where it talks about, oh, if people ask you why you are different or where your hope comes from or whatever, you are always prepared to share an answer. So, like, the easy mode of this question is Christians should live differently. And that is, like, not the entirety, but that is the bare minimum. Do you know what I mean? So that is like the non-relational bare minimum required of a Christian when it comes to answering this question, in my opinion, it kind of seems. Of course, though, I think that relationship, like you just said, is the actual key, I think. I think that as Christians, we need to have relationship uh, with people if we want to, to speak into their lives for a couple of reasons. For one thing... Um, if we want to speak into somebody's life, but we don't actually care about them, what would the point of that be? You know what I mean? Just to correct behavior that we judge. Like, that's not going to do anything. That's just going to, it's just kind of enforcing rules that no one's going to agree with on somebody else for, for what end, just so that we feel better about ourselves. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but rather, if, if, if we actually care about people and there's a relationship there, and we care about them. And, you know, then not only, I think, is the opportunity going to arise a little bit more for people to see how we are living differently and to have the chance to ask those questions. I think that a relationship, um, it kind of gives you the opportunity to properly care about a person. And then, and then hopefully it becomes a conversation at that point. I like the concept of basic isn't enough. And I'm not so sure today our young, older Christians are I think many of them are at that basic level and they're not prepared to give an answer because they haven't educated themselves biblically mm. or in apologetics or in some type of uh, exegesis, whatever that study may be required to give an answer. I think that it's also tempting to not even recognize in our own lives the way that our belief in Jesus and the hope that we have in Jesus actually does change in very many real and tangible ways our own morality and the ethics of our life. So that if someone is like, what's different about you? You're like, I don't know, I guess I'm just pretty awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so easy to not give God credit. And then to your point, let's say they're like, wow, what's different about you? Or there's something different that I see here. And we're like, it's Jesus. Jesus is the difference. And they're like, wow, tell me more. And then people are like, I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Like, or, or I don't know how to express that in a way that's going to feel reasonable, that's going to like 
help a person to understand how that works. Um, because like you're saying, maybe, maybe we feel insecure, like we don't know enough about the scripture or we're going to give a wrong answer or, or whatever. So maybe people shy away from that conversation. Fundamental to be able to talk to a non-Christian about any issue is, are we speaking out of a transformed life? Uh, I'm looking for a quote here and I can't even remember where I got it from. Sin is not merely an imperfection or a want, or it is an excess or trespass. It is not simply an inherited or inherent malady. It is a self-chosen perversion. It is not inherent in the flesh or animal impulses and physical passions. It belongs rather to the mind and the will. Its essence lies in selfishness. It is the deliberate choice of self in preference to God. It is personal and willful rebellion, and the positive news is it can be overcome. Therefore, not by suppression of the body or excision of the passions, but by the acceptance of a new principle of life and a transformation of the whole man. And we're going to live moral lives and rid ourselves of the immoral from a Christian perspective. The only way you can do it through is through transformation. If we're not showing transformed lives, the people can say, there's something really different about you. It's just not, it's just not that you have a list of don'ts and you stick to it. It's that, no, your, your, your personality seems to be generated. It seems to be driven by something Outside, almost outside of yourself. I think that if any desire for us as Christians to change the actions of another person, if it's not rooted in a desire to see grace and mercy take hold in their life, and if it is an expression of the grace and mercy that we ourselves bank on day in, day out, it is a fool's errand um, because we will just come across as the biggest hypocrites. The story in John 8 where the people find a woman in, in, in adultery and they bring her before Jesus and they demand, uh, you know, the religious elite, they demand that Jesus pronounce judgment and they all have stones and they're going to kill her because that's what the law of Moses commands. And then Jesus bends down and he draws in the dirt and he looks up and he says, what is it? He says, let he is without sin throw the first stone. And then one by one, they all put their stones down and walk away. And then Jesus says, has nobody condemned you? And she says, nope. And then he says, well, then neither do I. Um, but then he says this, he says, go and sin no more. And it's interesting, right? Because in that encounter is such a perfect example of like a person caught in immorality and we got religious people demanding blood. They bring this person to Jesus. And for so many different reasons, uh, Jesus turns it back on them. They realize none of us are without sin. And then Jesus doesn't condemn this person, but also m motivates this person, right? So it's just like, it's kind of like um, Jesus showed her a lot of grace and forgave her and then said, hey, what are you going to do with this? Do you know what I mean? As a Christian, why do you care that this person isn't living up to Christian standards? And what's, there's, there's about a thousand different answers to that, and only a few of them are honest. Well, the, the one that comes to mind right away takes away the do's and don'ts aspect of my own life or some type of reward system is basically Jesus within me, I want to please him. I share the same compassion and love 
that Jesus has for me with you. And I want you to have a chance to, to listen and hear about this love, this compassion, this forgiveness from this man called Jesus who loves you as much as he loves me. If I start with, well, that's wrong because it says don't here or there or there's a law about that, it's not going to go well. We want them to get to know Jesus. And Jesus does so much heart changing. And anything that is outside of that is just a new kind of legalism that's going to be empty and dry. And it might change some outside actions, but it's still going to miss like the whole core of what we as Christians should be actually about, right? Yeah. One thing we have to keep in mind, it just occurs to me, is that really we have not the biggest job in this. All we have to do is be obedient. Anybody we talk to or God brings across our path or the people we care about, God already loves. Mm. And if there's anything, we should be praying that God would convict them. That it would be the Holy Spirit in some way going into that individual to say, I want to listen to the message that God is delivering through whoever's mind, the Christian mind that's delivering the message. That person that we're in the receiving end may not recognize that that's what it is, but that supernatural force of, of, of God opening a heart and we being willing to say, Lord, speak through me the words that you want me to say. Give me the thoughts that I need so it comes together for this person. If, if, we, can't, if we try to do it in our own power, all we're looking for is a reward system. Hey, I got talked to one person today. Bang, you know, and totally. kick it off. Don't I feel good about myself? Yeah, I don't care about that. Or we shouldn't. We should just be caring. God opened an opportunity. Let, let him flow out of us. <clears throat> this conversation leads into some other questions. Hmm. And maybe they're for podcasts down the road. And maybe listeners can give us a sense of what they would like to hear this conversation go. But one comes to mind. How can we be so sure that God's the lawgiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are many that would say, there is no God. Yeah. So if there's no God, how did we get the law? Or, or even more antagonistically stated, how can you say there's a good God when you look at the way that the world is today? And um, how can you say that there's a moral God when you see all of the immorality or when you see all of the injustice, people would say, built into the fabric of our world and our existence. The question we started this podcast with was, if people aren't Christian, what is my role in their life when it comes to morality? I think our role in their life is to love them and to introduce them to Jesus and to be able to express, you know, a Christian position, uh, to have our lifestyle match up with the words that we're saying, um, to be motivated by grace and mercy, and to care about people and not just treat people like they're uh, something to do in our checklist or another feather in our cap, but actually care and love for people and then to have conversations with them about it. The one thing I will add to that that we haven't talked about, one of the aspects of being a Christian and living an authentic Christian life is prayer. We should be praying for these people. It's important that we bring to the throne of, uh, of the Lord 
people that are living in sin, immorally, whatever, and say, Lord, uh, I want you to speak into their lives. If you can use me, fine. If you're going to use somebody else, that's great. But Lord, it's what's important is that, that Joe comes to know the Lord. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We hope it inspires you to have this conversation around this topic with your friends and family. And we want to hear you weigh in on this question yourself. Right now, the easiest way to weigh in is to send us an email. My email is rob at sardisfellowship.com. And you can email John Weber at johnpodcast at shaw.ca. That's J-O-H-N podcast at shaw.ca. We always end our episodes with some questions to reflect on and to discuss. So here they are. First, Do you see Christian morality and the morality of our broader culture as being in conflict? Can you think of any examples? And what do you do when you come face to face with these differences? Second, our role as Christians in the morality of others is to live our lives as an example and to love others and build authentic relationship with them, always being prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have and what makes us different. Which of these two are you stronger in, living as an example or building authentic relationship with others? Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.